Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Cup of Joe with Tim. I'm Josephine Ma, and I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications here at Q, and one half of the dynamic duo that makes up this podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Warman, President and Vice-Chancellor of Concordia University of Edmonton, and the other half of this so-called dynamic duo. (laughs) So thanks for joining us today as we continue talking about things happening in and around campus and delve into topics that affect you, our Q community. Tim, can you believe that it's already October? Because I I honestly could have just sworn we just started the semester last week. Yes, things move very quickly once the semester starts. Uh, Blink and you miss it. Truly. Uh, So October also happens to be Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is the topic of today's podcast. So we're joined by Concordia University of Edmonton's Chief Information Officer, Ed Boris, as well as the Dean of the Mahalshin School of Management, Dr. Allison Yakishin as we talk about how cybersecurity affects us all and why it's everybody's business. So join us for this important discussion coming up next. So welcome, Ed and Allison, to the podcast. We're really excited to have you both here today and because we know that cybersecurity is something that's a passion for both of you. So um, just to start, I just wanted to introduce you guys and have you maybe just talk a bit about yourselves and a little bit about um, what your connection is to cybersecurity here at Q. So uh, maybe Ed, do you want to start? Yeah, you bet. Uh, As you mentioned, of course, I'm the chief information officer here at Concordia. And uh, essentially, that means I'm the head of the IT organization. So uh, IT services, which is responsible for, uh, you know, the help desk and application development and hosting all of our servers, uh, that all happens in, in the IT unit. Uh, included in that is the operations and security unit. So that's the people that are directly responsible for practical cybersecurity mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis at Concordia. Perfect. And then over to you, Allison, to talk a bit about your connection to cybersecurity here well, at Q. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I have to say, I've been listening to every podcast Yay! you guys do while I'm walking <laughs> my puppy. So it's fantastic that I get to be here at the table with you. My connection to cybersecurity here at Concordia is that I hold the position of Dean of the Faculty of Management, where we offer programs in information security. Mm-hmm. These include the master's programs in information systems assurance management, MISAM and the Master's Program in Information Systems Security Management, MISM. Our MISM program started in 2005, and our MISM program is celebrating 10 years of training graduate students. Very exciting. Yeah, as well. We offer graduate diploma in information assurance, as well as a graduate diploma in information security. Yeah, I, I should also mention that we are starting a cybersecurity emphasis in our Bachelor of Management program, which is a great opportunity for students to learn about this field of study. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, good to know. I have to say we're having a real national impact with your programs, Allison. So well done to you and your faculty. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, let's set the table for our discussion today. So cybersecurity is a growing problem, not just for us here at Q, but around the world. And more than ever, we rely on the internet to shop, to work, to study, and to stay connected with family, entertain ourselves, or even seek medical attention. The pandemic has also changed businesses' relationship to the internet. So according to the survey of digital technology and internet use, a third of Canadian businesses received orders or made sales of goods and services over the internet in 2021, up from about 25% before the pandemic in 2019. 
And of course, more businesses also reported offering employees the option to telework in 2021. It was really the only option in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was compared uh, to 2019, which was a a 14% increase there. So with more usage, of course, um, comes more exposure to risk. uh, And we can assume that uh, those numbers have only gone up probably since 2021. Uh, Official data show that in 2022, there were 70,878 reports of cyber fraud in Canada with over $530 million stolen. Now, the RCMP believe this is just the tip of the iceberg as there are many cyber crimes that go unreported. And this is due to embarrassment or stigma relating to the so-called love scams and more. Yeah, so cybercrime, as we know, it's a huge problem, not only for the private sector, but also here in the public sector as well. So private information is increasingly at risk as cyber criminals become much more sophisticated. So to Ed and Allison, what are the biggest threats facing the public and private sectors today with respect to cybersecurity? And what do you think can be done to combat some of these bad actors? So we'll start with you, Ed. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, uh, the the scope of uh Cyber attacks are getting is getting larger and larger as as the amount of uh, money that's flowing through these various cyber venues increases. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a result, we're seeing a lot of um, the same kinds of attacks that you see before, but with increasing levels of sophistication. So, uh, phishing attacks are, of course, one major uh, one major type of attack. And in the past, that might have been a poorly worded email that was sent to 300 people, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you could pretty easily tell that it was a that it was a phishing message. These days, those are being uh, hand tailored um, so that you know I might get an email that's claiming to be coming from Tim, saying that right. you know he's he's in an emergency somewhere, his cell phone's dead, and he needs money transferred, or he needs me to approve a, a major expense or write a check. Um, and they can look quite convincing. Mm-hmm. You know, they take the time to research. Uh, research the targets and find uh, email signatures and logos and things like that to make things look really, really convincing. Mm-hmm. So uh, phishing, like I said, is a, is a big one. All, also, obviously, ransomware. There's been a lot of incidences of ransomware in the public sector, in health, in education, and across the board. Um, and those are kind of like takeovers, right? Is that what that is? That's right. So there's a lot of important information that's stored at Concordia or mm-hmm. at a hospital. Um, and a lot of records that are very important to people, you know, diploma records, uh, course records, all those things. And if the if the threat is to, you know, lock those up and take them away from people mm-hmm. or um, prevent people's ability to deliver classes, then obviously there's a major disruption to Concordia's ability to do what it needs to do. And so as a result, um, attackers will often feel like they can use that as an opportunity to extort money and often large sums of money from right. from organizations. Yeah. What about from your perspective, Allison? Um, from what are you hearing from your private um, industry partners about cybersecurity? Well, Josephine, I'd really like to address the what can combat bad actors. Mm-hmm. I think from that angle, that's a really good question. And you know, simply put, um, our programs ensure students receive cutting edge curriculum, and we offer specialized cybersecurity courses to ensure that our graduates receive training that will set them up for success to actually deal with the things that Ed just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what's going to come around the corner. And so we have to be prepared. And that's what we throw at our students, different scenarios and these case examples um, that, you know, we have to be one step ahead. That's where the creative side really comes in the classroom as well. 
Mm-hmm. And so this actually segues nicely into my next question for you, which is that, uh, so obviously you partner a lot with industry and you hear about their cybersecurity concerns and the need for trained cybersecurity professionals. So we at Concordia have been in the cybersecurity education space since 2005. And today we offer two master's programs, graduate certificates, a master's of science in, in information technology and undergrad degrees in this field. So with cybersecurity kind of getting more sophisticated by the day, as we had mentioned, how are you and your faculty ensuring that we're always one step ahead of the bad guys? And how do we keep our curriculum fresh so that our graduates are always on that cutting edge of technology and ready for the workforce? Well, you know, with this, Josephine, in our business school, um, we provide training in programs that are meeting the demand in Alberta's job market, in information system security, and assurance management. Um, I could share many examples of how our university is much more than a degree-granting institution. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we have two students working on a Treefort-funded applied research project, and it's titled Research Development and Implementation of System and Organization Controls 2, or SOS 2, Certification and Compliance. And this SOS 2 compliance is an auditing procedure that ensures service providers securely manage data to protect the interests and privacy of its clients. Uh, This is a great example of ensuring why we are one step ahead of the bad guys. Um, Our instructors are always upgrading their certifications, and this is to ensure our students have the right skills because our instructors do. So we are at Concordia committed to providing a collaborative research environment that's industry-based training opportunities for in-demand careers and opportunities for industry to also collaborate with world-class academics. Our graduates do find positions in various organizations all around the world. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's really special about what we do here is that we work a lot with industry to work on real life problems. And that's what we're doing is we're partnering with industry to say, okay, let's tackle what is already here, but let's also tackle what's up ahead as well. So I think that that's really unique here at Q. Ed, you and your team are on the front lines of battling this cyber war here at Q. Uh, It is a really big job and you can't do it alone. Uh, Could you tell us what are some of the most common types of scams we're seeing here at Q, and what are some of the ways in which students and staff and uh, faculty and all our employees can help to protect Q and also themselves when they're online? Yeah, thanks, Tim. I think it's fair to say that most most scams do fall into those two categories that I mentioned earlier, the ransomware and, and phishing attacks. And really, the big the big theme there is that people really need to be um, vigilant when they're when they're interacting with uh, their email or websites or things that are coming up on their computer. A lot of these um, a lot of these scams are based on trying to trick you into feeling um, comfortable in responding to something or clicking on a link or running an attachment. And I think fundamentally, everybody already knows you know, that they shouldn't be clicking on links they weren't expecting, that they shouldn't be running attachments, that they shouldn't be um, vision, visiting malicious websites, but it's a lot easier to say that than it is to follow through often. If you see a big red box popping up on your computer that says your antivirus is out of date, um, you know, you'll often feel that sort of panic, right? But anytime you feel that panic, you should also remember that that good decisions can always be made with a lot of time and a, lo- and a lot of thought. So never respond to anything in a hurry. Um, never just assume that somebody that's communicating with you online is who they say they are. And, and while there's no silver bullet, 
I think one of the biggest things that I often tell people is uh, never to sort of let the attacker choose the battlefield. If somebody emails you saying that they're the Canadian Revenue Agency, um, don't just continue the conversation through the email thread that they've started. Uh, ask them for a reference number and then call them back through a publicly listed number. Uh, likewise, if you get a message that says, hey, this is Concordia's help desk, we need your password. Um, first of all, you should probably remember that we'll never ask for your password. Mm -hmm. uh, but even if there's just a link in there that, that somebody's asking you to click on, um, don't click on it. We even go so far as uh, when we send you an actual password expiry notice, for instance, you may have noticed that we don't include a link for you to click on to change your password. We say, go to online services and do it there. And the reason for that is we definitely want to build that habit in people, that if they're being uh, directed to take an action, if somebody's really putting that action right in front of you, they're probably up to no good. So uh, I think all of those things can kind of encourage the right orientation and make it easy to be vigilant. When I used to work for a uh, financial corporation, they always said that as well too. Like if there was a problem with your credit card, it would send you a text, but it would say, call the number in the back of your card. Because that way, you know, you're not giving a false number. There's some trust there. You know that that number is an established trusted number. So I, I like that idea of, you know, not going into the battlefield of someone else's plane rather mm -hmm. than, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of doing what's easy and feeling panicked like you have to do that right now kind of thing. That's right. And and don't be afraid to reach out to to the help desk, for instance. We definitely get um, communications from people all the time where they're saying, hey, sorry to waste your time, but is this <laughs> is this valid or not? And most of the time, it's absolutely not a waste of anyone's time. Most of the time, it actually is a scam that they're passing on. And it just looks, um, you know, it looks realistic enough to be comforting to the person that's receiving it. So by all means, stop, you know, catch your breath and, mm -hmm. and reach out. We're happy to help. I don't click on links in emails anymore that I get. I, you know, if it's the Alberta government or something like that, I go straight to the government website mm -hmm. separately and and log in or whatever it is they're asking me to do. That's something I learned here, actually. Yeah. And if you follow that, yeah, that, I think that's a, that's a great practice because if you follow that approach, um, it's very hard to get bit. Yeah. Yep. And everyone has to be like super vigilant when it comes to scams. But even the most diligent people may slip up once in a while. And of course, um, the more that we normalize talking about cybersecurity and the more stigma kind of that we take out from being the victim of cybercrime is decreased. So I want to just open this question up to everyone here today. Um, how were you duped? I'm curious. And what gave it away that it was a scam? I know, Tim, you have a story to share. Uh, well, I do understand when people are embarrassed and don't report cybercrime because mm -hmm. it is kind of embarrassing to get sucked into these things. So I have a confession to make on two <laughs> occasions here at Concordia. I failed a mock phishing test, and this was one that Ed's team put together oh, uh, test, to see test. which of us was susceptible to being scammed. <laughs> uh, turns out I was. Um, it is embarrassing, but I, I've learned from it. Um, and finally... Uh, now I think I'm almost overcautious, and I am one of those people who sends Ed uh, emails saying, "Is this okay? Uh, can, can I respond to this?" Um, and almost always he says, "Yes, it's fine." Um, so, but I. Yeah. But better safe than sorry, right? You well, learned your lesson. A twice bitten, thrice shy. Maybe. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Allison? Have you ever kind of had an opportunity to accidentally click on something you didn't, you shouldn't have? I have been very cautious. 
I'm one of those people that needs to know. I will do my due diligence to check to make sure that something you know doesn't look right, doesn't smell right. right. You know that I, I've been test. very cautious. So knock on wood, um, I've been very lucky thus far. Good, good. What about you, Ed? Well, I've been I've been very close. I mean, there are times where you get those emails purporting to be from a coworker, and uh, and they sort of slip under your radar. You say, "Well, that seems like a reasonable request." Um, I I do make a habit of following up, mm. and I always do that through a known email address or another channel. And and there have been times where somebody said, "No, no, that's not actually me." And sure enough, I go back and look at the email, and the return address isn't quite right, or or whatever. Or their email's else. been hacked, or whatever. That's right. right? Yeah, that, yeah, and that happens too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the other thing is, as part of as part of our job, we do investigate some of these links and things that are being sent out. And a lot of them are very, very convincing, mm-hmm. right? People should definitely not feel embarrassed uh, that they do fall for these things. They're they're engineered to trick people. And you're not <laughs> you're not doing something wrong by falling for these things. I mean, obviously, it's better if you don't. <laughs> um, but the other person has set you up to fail, right? You're being right. you're being taken advantage of by someone else. And they're the person that that should feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. I had, don't have a scam story, but I definitely have a story of how two-factor authentication saved me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's happened to me a couple of times where I've gone to, you know, get a, I get an email saying, hey, your password's expired. Click here to change your email or your uh, password. And then I've clicked on it and I've gone to punch in my old uh, password. And then I get a little email ping saying, you know, did you, was that actually you? And, and so then I'm thinking, well, yeah, it, it was me. So th- it was good that I actually, you know, I followed up on that. But it was one of those things where I was like, wait a second, like, if I didn't get that email, then that would have been a scam. So definitely 2FA has been a major factor game changer for me in terms of like making sure that my information is safe. So that's a big one. So there's a term that I've heard recently called security hygiene. So it basically refers to like the regular everyday security practices that users should be doing to protect their own information. So to our experts at this table, what are some of the actions that we should add to our security hygiene practice? So maybe I'll start with you this time, Alison. Well, change your password, you know, in terms of when you don't always use the same type of password. Uh, That's a critical piece to just being safe online. Yes, and Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people are guilty of that, myself included. And what about you, Ed? Yeah, I mean, related to that, uh, I definitely encourage people to use password managers where appropriate as well. Um, those can help in a number of ways, right? They help you generate really long random passwords and still have a safe place to store them, much safer than the post-its that might be stuck to somebody's monitor. Um, <laughs> I've seen that around Q a few times, actually. Oh, never here, I'm sure, right? <laughs> but uh, And also, kind of similar to your, your multi-factor authentication story, um, they will help you by autofilling those logins into valid websites. Mm-hmm. But if you go to something that looks like your bank's website and your and that information is not being filled in by your password manager, that's another another little reminder that maybe something's up and maybe you should look a little more closely at the address bar. Mm, good one. And I, I would add to this list as well to just when you're get looking at your emails, making sure that everything is spelled correctly, that the logo placement of, you know, your bank's logo looks correct, like all of those kind of things that might just kind of twinge something in you to go, hmm, that's a little off. If you, if that little alarm goes off, that probably means that something's not quite right. So this has been, I think, a very eye-opening episode. And I want to thank you both, Ed and Allison, for sharing your experience. And for our listeners who have missed any of our previous episodes, 
head over to wherever you get your podcasts and search Cup of Joe with Tim and subscribe to our podcast. And before we close out, uh, we have lots of events going on and around campus over the next few weeks. We have a whole calendar of events going on for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, including a Women in Cybersecurity panel, and as Allison mentioned, the 10-year anniversary of our MISM program. So very exciting. Looking forward to those. I'm sure you are as well, Allison. Mm -hmm. Happy Cybersecurity Month. <laughs> Indeed. We'll also be hosting our annual open house on the 21st. Now, this is a great opportunity for you to bring any of your friends who are maybe still in high school to come check out Q so that they can join you next year. And of course, all of the details of these events can be found at concordia.ab.ca slash newsroom or in your weekly student life and learning newsletter. So over to you, Tim, for the last word. Bye for now and be kind, do good and lead well. 